Hey, thank you for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can go to our website, renewalchicago.com. I pray that this podcast today is a blessing and encouragement to your soul. Well, if you got a Bible, go ahead and meet me in Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to be today. Matthew chapter 5. We've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. We've been looking at the Beatitudes, we've been taking it really slowly. Have you guys enjoyed this series? Man, I, I must be horrible because that was like the golf year. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's been an awesome time. It's been good for me to walk through it too um, as I'm studying. God's been really pricking and messing with my heart a bit. And we've been looking at this because we're all asking questions about what does it look like to live as a Christian in today? What does it look like to live as a Christian in the everyday world? That's our theme for this series. And Jesus really hits it at the heart and talking about just really practically what it looks like to live out this Christian life or being a disciple of Jesus here in our world. So if you got it, it'll be in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to add one more verse this week, chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. If you got it, won't you stand to your feet with me if you're able. You got it. Go ahead and say, got it. it. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. You're now the reading of God's word. It says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. It's the word of God. Amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, something that you've probably heard in the commercials, but I'm going to spin the words around. The topic I want to preach on is stay thirsty, my friends. Stay thirsty. Some of y'all say, yeah, I don't want to hear yeah because it's March Madness and we're really thirsty right now. We, we Stay thirsty, my friends, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're an awesome God. You are. God, I thank you that you see us in the midst of our mess. You see us in our inadequacies. You see us just right where we are, and you still love us. God, I just pray right now that you would just... Remove any ounce of me that's not of you so that your folks will hear a word from you this morning. God, have your way. I may be behind your cross. Decrease me so that you may increase. Father, we need you. We love you. We pray all these things in the mighty and matchless name. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Have you ever felt thirsty for something before? I mean, like, something that felt unattainable, like you really, really wanted this drink. You really, really wanted this food. I mean, you were hungry. You had pains for it. You ever been thirsty for something, but you couldn't get it? Some of y'all thirsty this morning. You want something in your life. You want more money. You want more something in your life. Are you thirsty this morning? Yeah. I know it's gloomy outside, but y'all got to wake up in here, you know? We got to talk. 
You see, this, this word thirst or the phrase being thirsty has been thrown around in our society all over the place. We use it for everything. We use it for commercials like Sprite commercials. Y'all know it with me. Obey your thirst. And some of y'all college students in here and, and, and some of you guys that went to school back in the day when I was there, y'all remember uh, this saying, thirsty Thursdays. No, nah, don't, don't say yeah too loud. No, no, we, we, we Bible thumpers up in here, y'all. Thirsty Thursdays. See, the one I remember the most, though, was back in high school when there'd be this young guy or a girl, and you, you really wanted to date that, that certain somebody. You would do everything you could to be with this person and, and, and if it was me and my guys, we'd be looking at this guy and be like, what's wrong with you, man? Why are you so thirsty? Why are you thirsty? I mean, you, you, you do everything you can. You, you, you literally think you're about to die. If you don't go on a date with this girl, you got to get her number. You got to do all of these things. And I'm like, man, you thirsty. And some of y'all ain't laughing right now because you thirsty, right? That's the, y'all thirsty right now, right? That's you. You, you a little thirsty. And see, here's the thing. In all of these circumstances, being thirsty is never really a good thing. It usually means that you're trying too hard for something and you'll overdo it or you're going to consume too much of a certain something or someone. I mean, it's kind of like when you're drinking water and you, and you start to feel thirsty. If you start to feel thirsty, if you want to drink for something, that means, how many of y'all know, it means you're already slightly dehydrated. If, you, if you're thirsty, it means you, you need something already. You're slightly dehydrated. Go with me. Don't miss what I'm saying here. See, being thirsty already means you are in need of something to satisfy you. And most of the time, being thirsty and what we do with our thirst isn't a good thing. But hear me, all thirst is not bad thirst. See, there is a thirst inside of us that exists within all of us to be righteous. There's this thirst, this hunger within all of us to see righteousness on earth and within other people. There's, there's, this is a good thirst. It's a, it's a good hunger. It's something that we should hunger for. The, the problem with this is that we don't seek it in the right places. And many times our thirst takes us to too far or we try to achieve too much and and, and, and we try to, try, try to achieve this satisfaction or find it, or, or we just try to subdue it and satisfy our thirst in our own strength. Which, which means that, hear me, which means that we, we, we overwork. We become like that guy that's trying too hard, that's thirsty, that never gets the girl. I mean, the, the difference with this is that the thirst that you're looking for, that you're looking to satisfy you, which is righteousness, like peace on earth, no, no racism, no evil, no corruption, no sin, that will only be felt in part here on this side of heaven. As the text says, they shall be satisfied. Hence, Jesus is coming back one day, and then righteousness will reign when he comes back. Now, hear me. This is very hard to come to grips with, though. It's hard because this thirst that exists within all of us, it, it can be overwhelming. And if we misplace it or try to satisfy it in our own strength, it commonly leaves us tired and despondent. I mean, 
The hard truth of the matter is that this thirst for righteousness will linger and should linger until Jesus comes back. But until then, we should seek to have a little piece of it here on earth. But at the same time, trusting the only one who has truly been righteous, this man named Jesus. Let me break this down a bit for you because I see the haze over your eyes and y'all like, what is he talking about? Where is he going with this? Follow me with this. This means, yes, that black lives do matter. But the fight is not all up to you. Follow me. This means that widows and orphans do matter, but it's not all up to you to solve the problem. Seeking justice and breaking down racial barriers, do, it, it does matter, but it's not all up to you. Personal righteousness and doing good matters, but it's not all in your hands to do so. Family, hear me. We have to be careful, especially in a world like today, to not let our care and our thirst for righteousness or doing good outweigh our passion and our dependence on God. Because just like anything else in our lives, when we're thirsty, we can become too thirsty and then end up out of line with God and fighting a battle that he never called us to fight. See, and hear me, it may be a good thing. It may be a good cause, but when you make it too much about what you need to do and you're too dependent on your own strength instead of depending on what God has given you, you're bringing your own strength to the table. Thus, hear me, family. When we do that, we're out of line. Hear me. We should care about righteousness on earth, but two things I want you to remember. It's not all up to you. And number two... It's only going to be felt in part right now on this side of heaven until Jesus comes back. So there's two things I want to preach on this morning. Here they are. Number one, if you've got a pen and paper, you might want to write these down. Number one, satisfying our hunger and thirst from the right place. I'm going to talk about satisfying our hunger and our thirst from the right source. And number two, thirst that comes because of taste. Thirst that comes because of taste. Now, as we jump into this text today, I want to catch you up a bit. If you haven't been here and you haven't been walking with us through the, this series, Jesus has just sat down on this mountain and he's preaching to the crowds. And again, if you remember, he's sitting on this mountain and because of the acoustics of the mountain, when Jesus starts to speak, not only is he speaking to these disciples that are right there with him, but as he's talking, the, the, his voice is carrying over and the thousands of people below and around the mountain are hearing Jesus speak. Jesus knows this, so he keeps speaking to the Christian, to the people that are following him, but there's also people that aren't following him. So I've been telling you over and over again, this message, this, this series, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount is not just for the Christian, the believer, it's also for the non-believer. Thus, you see this in the text. See, he, Jesus begins to preach, and, and the basic premise of the Sermon on the Mount is being a true disciple of Jesus, or shall we say, as I've already said, living as a Christian in an everyday world. That's our theme. He begins by saying the word blessed in verse 3. We've been looking at this word blessed, and because we, he, he repeats it over and over again, as I've told you, when you see Jesus repeating something over and over again, you got to pay attention to the word blessed. And we have to pay attention to it in our society because it's thrown around flippantly all over the place, and people don't understand what it means to really be blessed. So we got to pay attention to this word blessed. This word blessed implies an inward satisfaction or sufficiency that doesn't depend on outward circumstances or for happiness. 
It's, it, it's, it's a supreme happiness. It, it's the, the word blessed could actually read happiness, but it's a deep happiness that's not dependent on your happenings. See, see so again, the Christian, I'm going to keep saying this because I need y'all to understand this. The Christian is not blessed because of what they have or have been able to do. The Christian is blessed because of what Jesus has done on their behalf when he died on the cross, dying for our sins, dying the death that we should have died. That's why we're blessed, because we're hidden within Christ. It's nothing we bring to the table. It's nothing that we have. It's because of what Christ has done on our behalf. So so now we're covered like a blanket by the grace of Jesus Christ and get to experience the blessing of being with him for all eternity in heaven. See, that's the blessing. Again, what this means, don't miss it, is, what, is that what happens to you on this side of heaven, what happens to you in this world, what happens to you or around you does not define you as a believer because you're blessed and you're promised eternal life, which means that there is an eternal joy that's inside of you, an eternal happiness, an eternal blessing that God has given you that nobody can take away from you. No, no circumstance, no nothing takes that away from you because God gave it to you. He saved you. He's called you to himself. You are blessed because you are in Jesus. Now hear me again. Because understanding this truth allows the believer to live joyfully and blessed today because they know what awaits them. Hence, I've told you before, the blessings of God are both now and not yet. It's a now and a not yet blessing Because we really won't get to experience the fullness of being blessed until we get to heaven. Where there's no trials, no troubles, and we're with God forever and ever. Now, last week, I pointed out three important words in the Beatitudes, which is in each one of those. And y'all remember those three words? Three words we see. I'm going to talk about them again because y'all forgot throughout your week, okay? Number one, you see uh, is blessed. The second one is are. Then you see for, where you, you read them and they all say blessed are blank, 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 four. Y'all see that? You see them in the, you see in the Beatitudes. Y'all should be looking at your Bibles. Y'all, y'all looking at me. You can't see it if you're not looking at the Bible, you know. It, it's, you see the three words, blessed, are, and four. Now hear me. As I walk through this again, I want you to understand this. You don't want to miss it because this is very important. The word blessed represents a person's or, or individual state. The word are represents a person's condition, and the word for represents your purpose or meaning. So again, you got blessed equals state, are equals condition, and for equals purpose or meaning. Again, this is important, and it helps you understand what's happening in the Beatitudes, so you don't want to miss this, because many times our condition can contradict our blessing. It can contradict our state, so we're like, wait, wait a second. I'm not blessed because of this going on in my, in, in my situation, and here's the reality. Your state should never, be, it should never be defined by your condition. Your state is defined by your purpose and meaning. See, it changes the way you read the word of God and these beatitudes. This again, this is why I've told you that your joy or your happiness as a believer is not rooted in what's happening around you or what's happening to you. It's not rooted in your circumstances, but instead, when you look at the purpose, take verse 3, for example. The person that's poor in spirit is blessed, not because they're poor in spirit, but because eternity awaits them in heaven. You see the blessing there? Remember, your state is not determined by your condition, but instead by your purpose and meaning. 
This helps you understand how the Beatitudes are supposed to be understood. So the person is blessed, not because they're poor in spirit, but because for the person who's poor in spirit, heaven awaits them. The person who's mourning in verse 4 is not blessed because they're mourning. That makes no sense, does it? They're blessed because it says they shall be comforted. Then you get down to verse 5, and it says, and we looked at this last week, it says that the, that, that the meek person, that, that person is blessed because they will inherit the earth. We talked about what it means to be humble, what it means to be meek, to recognize your shortcomings. And see, this week it says that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed is the state. Hunger and thirst for righteousness is the condition, and satisfied is the purpose or meaning. So in other words, here it is, the person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness is blessed because they are promised or shall receive satisfaction. Now hear me again. Being thirsty, it's not always a bad thing. It's not always a bad thing because, as I said before, in each of us there is this thirst. There's this hunger that exists that we're born with and, and look to get filled throughout our lives. But the problem is that we try to seek this satisfaction or to fulfill this thirst in all the wrong ways. We look for it in all the wrong places. Now, this is tough, family, and we can easily try to quench our thirst other ways because this righteousness we long for does not just involve us being seen as righteous before God or doing right in our life, but this also includes basic needs for life, like, like, like food and necessities, which is why some of us are so passionate about serving at soup kitchens and serving the less fortunate and equality in life because th there's this sense of righteousness that comes in, that's, that's in us that says it's, it's, it's right for people to have food. It's right for people to have clothing. It's right for them to have a, a home. It's, it's right for people to be loved. It's right for people to have equal rights. I mean, it feels right. And, and, and we all long to see righteousness here on earth with us individually and with other people. We long for that. See, the reason being is that we've been created in the image of God. We've been created in the image of God, which means that we want to be like God. We, we yearn to be with him, and to be with him or like him is to be righteous. But the problem is we look for righteousness in all the wrong places. Or when we, tr we don't find it, you know what we do? We succumb to something less satisfying or something we know we shouldn't be filling ourselves with. We want joy. How many of y'all want joy this morning? We, we, we want joy. We want to be satisfied. And friends, our tendency is to run to stuff, people, places, or things, or what we think will fulfill us because of sin within us. We talked about sin last week. This, this act is not meeting the mark, this archery turn where we're, we're shooting our bow and arrow and we can't hit the, the target, and the target is holiness because we want holiness. We want to be like God, but we cannot. Our natural inclination is to run away from God, to rebel against the things of God. It's this inner turmoil because we do want the things of God, but we don't want him. We run away from him because deep down inside of us, we think we know better than him. We won't admit it, but I, I got this one, God. See, think about it. The Star Spangled Banner, the song we sing, 
Y'all heard me talk about this. The Star Spangled Banner, it's funny that it ends with the, the land of, uh, the land of the, what is it? Y'all know it? Come on, y'all know it. You say it before the game. The land of the free. Come on, y'all don't want to say it. The land of the free and the home of the brave. When you break that down, interpretation, it means that you can live freely, do whatever you want to. As long as you're brave enough, as long as you're strong enough, you can get it the way you want to get it. And the thing about it is, is that that's total opposite to what Jesus offers in salvation. He offers us salvation freely by our belief. It's nothing you can do to achieve it. You don't work for salvation. So it's hard to come to God because, like, that's, that's contradictory to what, 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 I, what I see in society. What I'm trying to get at is because of this attitude of I can do it, I know what's right within us, I want what I want. We naturally don't seek satisfaction from God. We naturally don't thirst after God. We want the things of God, but we don't want God. I want him to work on my behalf, but I don't want to live for him. I want his blessings, but I don't want him to control my life. Because if I go to God and give him all of me, you know what? God might not give me what I want. He might not look out for me. It might not work out in my timing. Friends, hear me. This text lets us know that true righteousness and satisfaction, that satisfaction we long for, only comes from Christ. And the good news about this is that as I've continued to say this throughout our text and throughout this sermon series, the promise of the Beatitudes is not just the right now blessing, but it's the, the true blessing comes in the future where hence it says they shall be satisfied. But family, the problem again is that our thirst for righteousness doesn't make us run to Jesus. We, we don't. We, we're not running to Jesus. The reason being, as I said, I already said it before, it's the sin. We're going to run away. Renewal, we struggle, and we struggle with our mess, with our sin in our life, with our inadequacy. See, we, we struggle with this, not because we're just born in it, but many times it's because we have not submitted fully to Jesus. We've given him a part of the file cabinet. We haven't given him the whole file cabinet. Here you go, Jesus, this is your file. You work in this part of my life, but everything else is mine. We haven't fully submitted to him. So we struggle and we struggle and we struggle trying to defeat sin, trying to defeat our problems and our issues. And hear me, at the end of the day, if it was all up to you, you know what? Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. He wouldn't have had to go to the cross for us. When we don't submit our struggles to Jesus, even the good ones, like trying to defeat sin, that's a good thing. Uh, try, trying to be righteous, that's a good thing. These are not bad things, but when we don't submit those good things to God, even in those times, it's kind of like saying to Jesus, why don't you just go hang up on that cross again for me? You know, it wasn't enough last time. I need you to take 40 more lashes. Crown of thorn in your hands. I need, I need you to do all that. Nails in your hand, everything, Jesus, because it wasn't enough. Jesus died on the cross for us to be seen as righteous in God's sight if we believe. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us this. It says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. This is Jesus. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is called the doctrine of imputation. See, Jesus takes our sin upon himself 
And then he gives us or imputes righteousness to us. So he takes our mess upon himself and in exchange, he says, here's my righteousness. Here's my holiness. You can have it all because you believe. And now when God looks at you or me because we believe, he doesn't see our mess. He doesn't see what we did last night. He sees Jesus and he says, well done. He's smiling at our mess because we're covered by Jesus. See, but the problem is we still live in a sinful, messed up world where things like mosque shootings happened a couple weeks ago where, where although I'm a Christian, I still see this and my heart hurts because I cannot stand evil. So when I see this, I look at it and I'm like, you know, it's not enough to just be seen as righteous in God's sight. I want righteousness now. How many of y'all feel like that? I want more now. And what happens in this, when we start feeling like this, is we start to feel it. And because we know that righteousness is only going to be felt in part right now, we don't continue to go to God in faith and believe in him. But instead, we say, well, it's up to us. You know, God ain't working right now. He's not working hard enough. He's not working fast enough. He must be waiting on me to do something. I must go do it. I, I, I have to figure out something. I need to work it out. I mean, think about it. We take righteousness into our own hands. Oh, I can be righteous too. See, we desire to see righteousness. And like I said, it's not a bad thing, but sometimes we can be too thirsty. We desire to see righteousness in people and in ourselves, which hurts and it's hard for us to see what's going on because we will only see righteousness in part here on earth. And the big problem is this, is this, is that people will fail us. People will hurt us. And sometimes, y'all hear me, sadly, these people that hurt us or do things that we don't approve of, we don't like of our, our, our family and our friends. Some of y'all sitting right there right now, you've been hurt by your family or your friends. It's, it's messing you up. And, 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 and like I said before, we desire to see righteousness and people doing well. And what ends up happening when our thirst for righteousness, don't miss this, is too thirsty, then we start placing unrealistic expectations on ourselves and others. And then we or other people let us down. And now it's hard for us to forgive. Wow. Now, now you walk around with bitterness. Because you expected more from someone and they let you down and now you can't forgive them. Y'all see the cycle there? It started with us wanting to see righteousness. But hear me. Hear me closely. You're looking for the wrong places. Hear me. Hear me when I say this. When a God thirst is quenched with human remedies, it always leaves you more unsatisfied. Let me say it again. When a God thirst is quenched, with human remedies, it always leaves you more unsatisfied. Because again, the righteousness we hunger and thirst for can't come from anything you or I bring to the table. It only comes from Jesus, who has only been the one who is totally righteous. Keep looking for righteousness and trying to satisfy this thirst with ourselves and all the wrong stuff. If we want righteousness, y'all, we have to get it from the right source. We got to seek it from the right source. 
all that other stuff, our strength, our belief, our, our people, the people around us leaves us unsatisfied and malnourished. True righteousness comes from God. Our, our true thirst can only be quenched from Jesus. Belief in him. I mean, I'm still missing this. Let me put it this way. Newborn baby, how many of us have had kids? How many of us have been around a newborn baby? Y'all should all have your hands raised. Babies, we've been around babies. The best nourishment for baby is not Similac, not the fake stuff. It's, it's breast milk. It's the natural milk from the mother, right? Y'all know this, right? I, I feel a little, I feel like I'm a little expert at this, you know, because I had I had five kids, y'all. I didn't breastfeed none of them, but I was around for all of them, you know. I, I had five I have five kids. My my youngest, he's just he's about to turn one this week. And so I feel like I I know a little bit about this, you know, and and, and plus my wife, she fa- she she studied family and human human development studies. That's what she she studied. So if you you got a spouse in here and your spouse is studying something, you know who else becomes the expert? You, the spouse, because you, you, you're the test subject. You get to hear all the information. Sometimes it's annoying, but you get to hear all of it. So I know a little bit about this. At least I think I do. I mean, the, the, I, she, she specifically took a liking to babies and, um, and, and their development. She would always tell me, and she would say that breast milk is the best source of nutrition for the baby. And the baby should at least breastfeed for six months if not a year, that's if you can withstand, can stand the teeth and everything. I mean, so, so, so I did some research. I did some research on this because I wanted to, I wanted to figure out for myself. And I, I found out that breastfeeding is not only the best thing for the baby, but it's also really good for the mother. There's these proteins in the milk that help the baby grow in ways that no supplement can actually match. It's, it also helps the mother heal from the delivery that she just went through with the baby. I mean, there's this form of milk that's created by the mother called colostrum. Y'all ever heard of that? Colostrum. It's produced for newborn babies in those first few days. It's a yellow color. I call it liquid gold, y'all. It's like, it's got all the good stuff in liquid gold. I'm looking at the baby drinking that colostrum. I'm like, boy, you're going to be strong as an ox because you're just drinking on that gold. You know, you got gold color and everything, boy. You're going to be, whoa, man. But hear me, this colostrum, this liquid gold right here, it has all the necessary antibodies to fight off diseases with, the, with this baby's immature digestive system. It, it gives them the necessary fats and proteins to grow properly in those first few days. Don't miss this. No Similac or substitute can provide the same nutrients of the pure milk that comes from the mother. Y'all are missing where I'm going with this. Because when we hear this, when you see Jesus saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it should force us to ask ourselves the question, what in the world have I been feeding myself off of? Because if it hasn't been Jesus, y'all, I'm always going to end up unsatisfied and malnourished. Family, what is satisfying your thirst or hunger right now? Is it the Similac, the fake stuff, or is it the real thing? Where do you find your righteousness? Where do you find your rights? I want you to think on that. I'm going to help you think about it a little bit. Some of you guys have been sitting in the gospel Center life class before service. Have y'all enjoyed that? 
Yeah, it's been a good class, and some of you guys haven't, so I'm going to help you walk through it a little bit because we can find righteousness in many different things. So I want you to look at this list that I'm about to put up, and I want you to see where you line up. Notice I didn't say if you're on the list because we're all on the list. I want you to see where you line up. This is tough because a lot of these we don't like to think about or we don't think about, period. Job righteousness. It says, I'm a hard worker, so God will reward me. Family righteousness says, because I do things right, as a parent, I'm more godly than parents who can't control their kids. Can't say I never thought that one. Theological righteousness, I I have good theology. God prefers me over those who have bad theology. I'm a pastor. Can't say I thought that one either, you know. Intellectual righteousness, I'm I'm a better read. I'm more articulate and more culturally savvy than others, which obviously makes me superior. Schedule righteousness says this, in a world that's busy, I'm flexible and relaxed. I always make time for others. Shame on those who don't. Mercy righteousness says I care about the poor and disadvantaged the way everyone else should. Legalistic righteousness, I don't drink, I don't smoke, chew, or date girls who do. Too many Christians just aren't concerned about holiness these days. They got all the tattoos and everything in my old, you know, Christian mama voice. You know, that's how we do it. Financial righteousness. I manage money wisely. I don't need financial peace. I stay out of debt. I'm not like those materialistic Christians who can't control their spending. Political righteousness says this. If If you really love God, You'll vote for my candidate. I'm not going to talk about that one. Tolerance righteousness. I'm open-minded and charitable toward those who don't agree with me. In fact, I'm a lot like Jesus in that way. Do you see yourself on any of this? And hear me, if you're struggling with trying to find yourself on this list, then you're the winner of self-righteousness. Because you can't admit any of your flaws. I mean, come on now. You won. Hear me. We can seek to find righteousness anywhere, but the only source that will give us the needed nourishment we're longing for, we're looking for, is by trusting and believing in the source of righteousness, Jesus. We cannot grow in our walks with God or find the righteousness we long for without a healthy thirst to be with Jesus. I mean, think about it. Think about that newborn baby again. When he's hungry, all he does is cry. I got one. All he does is cry. He can't explain to you what's going on in his stomach. He doesn't say, Daddy, Mommy, I need a steak and potatoes, medium done. That's how I need it right there. He's not saying that. He's just, I want something to eat. And you know what he knows will satisfy is that breast milk. And, you know, there's a weird phenomenon that goes on with the woman's body. I don't know this. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. But, but my wife tells me this, that, that the breast starts to leak and it starts to know that it, it's time for the baby to feed. It's crazy how God makes that work. You know why? I think there's something he's trying to teach us there. It's teaching us that we need to be like those newborn babies, family longing for righteousness from the only source we can find it from, which is Jesus. And you know what the text tells us? When we long for righteousness, it says that he will give it to us. It says 
They shall be satisfied. Don't miss it. The question remains, how do I trust Jesus for righteousness when the world just seems to get worse? Right? Well, hear me. I I want you to pay attention to the scripture. It says, for they shall be satisfied. Y'all see that? You notice the word shall in there. That's future. Which again, if you remember, it gives us the sense of what Jesus is saying now in this passage is that we'll only be satisfied now only in part, but mostly in the future. Which means that although it may be tough right now and the righteousness we long for seems to be out of touch, it's nowhere to be found. The truth of the matter is that the righteousness we're longing for can only be found in Jesus. The satisfaction that we long for can only be found in Jesus. The provision that we want in our lives is only found in Jesus. You've heard me say this week in and week out over and over again throughout this series, and I will keep saying it because I know that you guys are forgetting this, and some of you are still saying, well, I do believe, but I don't feel satisfied. I do believe, but I don't see righteousness. I don't feel righteous, hear me, because if I'm honest with you guys, I struggle with this too. I struggle with this too. I'm constantly having to remind myself of this truth personally because as I I think about the world, I look at what's going on around me, all the mess that's happening around me, or even my own personal struggles, I have to remind myself that true righteousness will not exist until Christ comes back. It won't exist until he comes back. So although the believer is seen as righteous, In God's sight, he sees us as righteous in his sight because of our belief in his death, burial, and resurrection. True righteousness on this earth is not and will not be fully established until Jesus ushers in the new heaven and new earth. That's what we look forward to. So, Henry, because this is key, we're satisfied now because we're covered by our belief in Jesus if we believe, but there's still this righteous hunger and thirst that exists to see true righteousness and to be with God, which we'll only experience in part right now. But the text says the believer shall be satisfied. So the believer has to hold on. We got to hold on and stay thirsty, continually running to Jesus, trusting him, believing in him, not in self, not in people, not in anything else but Jesus. But I know you're still sitting there saying, well, that still does not really help me. I I want righteousness now. Well, let me help you out a bit. Here's how I'm able to hold on. I'm right there with you. Here's how I'm able to hold on because I believe in Jesus. Follow me with this. I, I believe in Jesus. I've seen him and I've witnessed him do a good work in me. I've seen him change me from who I once was to who he wants me, wanted me to be. And because I have tasted, don't miss this, because I have tasted the goodness of the Lord in my life, which is better than anything I bring to the table or I can offer, I crave not only for him to continue to work in my life, bringing in about righteousness, but I also crave for him to do that in the lives of others and in this world. I thirst for it. Y'all not yet missing this phrase. Here's the point. If we truly have tasted that the Lord is good, then there will exist within us an undeniable thirst that can only be quenched by him. 
So all that other stuff, the substitutes, will always overpromise and underdeliver satisfaction. Don't miss where I'm going with this. So, so, so with this, the real question is, have we truly experienced the Lord's goodness? This is the real question because our faith is vital to our growth and our thirst for God. We cannot truly thirst for him if we don't know him. People could care less about something they've never experienced. You won't have a true thirst for something that you've never tasted. You won't believe it satisfies unless you taste it. I mean, friends, have you truly tasted that the Lord is good? Have you believed? Okay, let me, let me end with this. One of my favorite desserts. Man, as soon as I say that, my mouth just starts going to a place. One of my favorite desserts. Y'all heard me. Some of y'all heard me talk about this. My favorite. I love it. My favorite dessert is this ice cream from this frozen custard place called Sheridan's Frozen Custard in Memphis, Tennessee. Y'all, it's off the chain. I, I love that it's this one thing called E.T.'s Charming Cheesecake, and it has it's custard with, with strawberries and, and cheesecake in it. My mouth is watering right now as I'm thinking about it. Y'all ever had that experience? You, you, you got this? Y'all thinking about brunch right now. It's just your mouth is watering, and, and, and man, I love me some E.T.'s Charming Cheesecake. So what happens is every now and again, because I tasted it way back when I lived in Memphis, I just start getting these serious cravings for it every now and again, and, and I just got to have it. So I, I try to do all kinds of substitutes. I go get some briars. I put some, some, some strawberries in it. It just doesn't do it for me. I hit Margie's up. It's supposed to be great. I love Margie's, but it, it's not doing it for me. Dairy Queen is from my childhood, but it's not getting it for me, y'all. I just got to have me some E.T.'s Charming Cheesecake. So what I do is sometimes when I get to go down to Memphis, I hop on I-57, you know, driving my car, and I'm down there, and I'm thinking and dreaming about it the whole time. This is one of the spots I'm going to go to. It's not the ribs. I'm like, I got to get the Sheridan's, y'all. I got to get the Sheridan's because I've tasted that it was good. Y'all still not follow me with this family. Hear me. Here's the thing. If I would have never tasted it, I wouldn't have a craving for it. If I never tasted it, I would have never known that it satisfies me. Again, my question is, have we truly tasted, hear me, y'all, that the Lord is good? Have we truly trusted in him? Have we truly believed in him? Do you crave Jesus? Do we truly understand that he died for us while yet we were still sinners? He saw us in our mess, in our sin, all of us. I and mean, none of y'all righteous more than Jesus. He saw us in our mess, me included. And he said, I still love you. He steps out of heaven, comes down here, and he takes our place on a cross, a cross that was set up for us. Our sins takes him on himself. He had not committed one sin, and he dies the death that we should have died while giving us his righteousness. He chose to do that, did not have to do it. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Got to ask ourselves that question. Have you tasted these simple truths about Jesus and his work on our behalf? Because here's the thing, if we have tasted and we have believed, then no matter what happens to us or around us, 
we have to constantly remind ourselves that nothing else will satisfy us but Jesus. Nothing. Hear me, in a world like today, this is important. We're able to stay thirsty because we know what Jesus has done with us personally. And we trust that Jesus, as the Bible tells me, he will continue the good work that he started in me and also one day in the world. But until then, stay thirsty, my friend. Stay thirsty, my friends. Keep craving Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You're an awesome God. We thank you for loving us in only a way that you can, God. God, I pray as we come to the table this morning, God, we would be thankful for all that you've done in our lives, that we would never take it for granted, your goodness. God, we were so undeserving that you love us die for us. God, we do crave and we want to see righteousness in this world. We want to see it in our own selves. We want to see it in others. But we know, God, we tried. We tried to do it on our own. We end up tired. We end up worn out. God, but we know there's one that's righteous more than anything we could ever imagine, more than anything we could ever see or do in our own power, and that's you, Jesus. So, God, I ask that we would keep thirsting after you, that we would trust you, and we would crave to see the, the new heaven and new earth when you bring it. But until then, God, let us struggle well in this earth, trusting you, knowing that you're the one bringing about righteousness. You're the one working in the hearts of people. You're the one calling people to yourself, and you use people like us. Thank you, God. You're good. Father, I pray if there's someone in here that is saying, I haven't trusted Jesus with my life, hasn't truly tasted that the Lord is good, that they would do so today, saying, God, all I need is you. You're the only one that's satisfied. I give you my life, Lord Jesus. Take me as I am and create in me a new heart. Make me the man or woman you want me to be for your glory and your glory alone. God, I pray in that that they would find true life that they would taste that you're good and they would run hard after you for the rest of their lives. Pray for those in here, folks, that are saying that that's me. I, I believe in Jesus, but I haven't been truly believing that he tastes good, that, that he's everything I need. God, I pray that they would repent and run back to you right now and say, God, I need you. That you fill them with you, Jesus. And that we would remember you only satisfied. God, we thank you. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said together, amen, amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast today. I pray again that it was a blessing and encouragement to your soul. And I hope to see you at one of our services at 10 a.m. Take care. God bless you. Good.